Good evening, everyone. Welcome to God Stories. I'm your host, Joshua. This evening, we have the pleasure of interviewing an incredible couple that I had the chance to sit down with just recently by the name of David and Anne. Now, I will give a disclaimer about this episode. This is a little bit different in several different ways. Um, due to the nature of the type of work that David and Anne do, there have been names that have been changed, not just for the two of them, but also in the stories that we are going to tell tonight. The stories are true, but the, some of the names, in order to protect the people and the work that David and Anne are doing due to some of the potential danger of the places that they work and the places that they go, in order to protect them, the names have been changed for the sake of this podcast this evening. With that being said, though, they have had an incredible life, an incredible ministry, and incredible fruit. I think it's, it's such a rare thing and such a beautiful thing to see where someone is willing to stick it out no matter what. When God calls them to a life of being faithful and not necessarily knowing where the next thing is going to be coming from or where the next assignment is going to be coming from, but knowing that you're called to be present where you are at that very time. Now, these two have had some incredible journeys. They've traveled to almost every country in the Middle East, along with moving within the United States almost more times than I can count. As they'll tell you here in a second, um, Dave is a military veteran, served in the armed forces for about 28 years, and has been his faithful and loving wife throughout the entire process, along with several children, and has had some very powerful experiences with the love of God, loving people, even in some extremely difficult circumstances and scenarios. So I trust that you'll be blessed tonight as you listen to the podcast. And like I said before, without further ado, let's go ahead and get started on that and enjoy. All right, so we are back, everybody. Thank you for tuning in today to God Stories. I am super excited uh, to listen to David and Anne. I know you guys are going to be extremely blessed. Um, when I think of these two, I think of radical obedience to the call of God. They have some absolutely incredible stories that we have talked about um, in my time here. And like I said, there's just on both of their ends, I'd say that David is an absolute scholar of the word. I've learned so much from him as far as his ability to get into the Greek and really understand and draw the deep things out of God. And then um, with Anne too, her radical obedience and her heart for people is absolutely unmatched. So you can you can tell that she just oozes love and care and compassion. And, and that's the thing that I've seen off of both of them as well. So um, I believe you guys are really blessed by our conversations today. Um, and I just wanted to start off by asking you guys, what is um, some just life stories? Uh, tell us a little bit about how you grew up and how you met Jesus. Yeah, so uh, for myself, I grew up in the Northeast and uh, grew up, I actually attended a Presbyterian church, so was exposed to God, knew about God, but didn't have any personal relationship. Uh, I remember actually uh, 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 many times as a kid looking up at the top of the sanctuary and <laughs> they had these uh, great pictures of stars and people up there and just thinking that that's what God was people up above and, you know, just having very strange, not completely biblically based uh, concepts. Uh, that being said, um, as as I continue to, to grow up uh, 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 during the 70s, um, my parents actually went through some very, very hard times. My uh, father was an architect and uh, when the oil uh, embargoes hit and the prices went up, the uh, uh, whole uh, architectural construction business took a really deep dive. And so it hit our family financially very hard. And that's, uh, was something that got both my parents research and, uh, uh, and seeking for bigger uh, explanations as to what was going on. Um, this led them to, uh, some interdenominational faith communities, uh, in our, in our, uh, region that we lived in where they came to know Christ in a very personal way. Uh, and, and that's where that continued exposure to, to God continued to develop in myself. That being said, 
uh, for myself, it was, uh, uh, I continue to watch and, uh, and to observe and, and just, uh, listen to, uh, two things. And it, uh, quite honestly, wasn't into a, a very, uh, uh, time that we were having a time of prayer that I actually remember distinctly, uh, making a commitment, uh, just, uh, being overwhelmed with God's presence during that prayer time and just saying, God, Jesus, I just want to follow you for the rest of my life. It's, it wasn't this uh, typical altar call, but it was the very distinctive heartfelt cry. Um, I knew the, the words of it. I had uh, attended churches where they had regular altar calls, but that was the time in my life that I can look at that, that the heart cry uh, went where it went from more something in the head down to the heart. Uh, and I also remember the, uh, my desire for just following after after God and his ways just just changed radically. Um, it was like reading the, the Bible was was something that actually made began to make sense uh, and was exciting. So there was a lot that was going on and uh, pivoting back prior to this, one of the things that had really made a big impact on me uh, was actually seeing the uh, change that had come upon my family. My parents had actually had a lot of fights, arguments, uh, when I was very young, um, there was a lot of tension. And when Christ came in, that changed. Um, and perhaps that's why during a family prayer time, uh, it was a very personal decision to, to, to make that commitment to follow after Christ. Something that I can say that a decision that now that's more than 40 years ago that I never look back at um, with regret. It's actually one of joy of just uh, seeking after uh, Christ wherever he might lead um, and, and just enjoying that time uh, and growing in it there too. Um, so that was when I was in teenagers. Um, and uh, I'll let uh, Ann tell her own story. Um, I was born in San Francisco and um, my dad was from Montana and didn't like San Francisco much. So <laughs> he convinced my mom to move to Northern British Columbia. And we, we immigrated to Canada when I was three and um, lived uh, in between a couple mountain ranges with no indoor plumbing, no electricity, no <laughs> running water, um, which was difficult for my mom. And um, so they compromised and moved to Ontario, Canada, <laughs> but we still built a house in the middle of the woods um, and had a well, and but we did have electricity and indoor plumbing, so that was a bonus. But it was pretty isolating and... Um, um, but actually prior to building that house in the woods, we spent about two years in a larger city in Canada where, um, um, a church happened to be going through our neighborhood and, um, my mom was a believer, but my dad wasn't. And so we didn't usually go to church and, um, they had gone door to door asking if any kids wanted to get a bus ride to Sunday school and they were offering a free goldfish if <laughs> any kids wanted to go and and I wanted a goldfish uh we, we were pretty poor so it, that was about the only pet I could get and um, <laughs> so I decided to go for my free goldfish and um the Lord ended up catching me um they shared the gospel and I realized I was a sinner because <clears throat> I sold a piece of bubble gum when I was for and um needed repenting and so so yeah i accepted jesus when i was four but um that seed light was pretty dormant for the good part of my childhood until uh, high school when i um became involved with youth for christ and um uh, i really started to grow then and um but it wasn't actually until university that i started I was still pretty isolated where we lived. And um, so when I went to a big city for university, um, that's when I really got involved with the church and started to grow in God. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's super cool because even like in different backgrounds and whatnot, God is able to reach us wherever we are and knows our unique circumstances and situations. Um, 
how did you guys end up meeting, I guess, is one thing that our listeners might be curious to know, um, because you come from pretty different backgrounds, mm-hmm. different parts yeah. of the nation and whatnot, too. So uh, how did, can you give us like a brief story of how yeah. you guys ended up meeting? And- yeah, it wasn't even different parts of the nation. It was <laughs> from different nations. Oh, yeah, literally. literally. Uh, so uh, it, it's it's very interesting, as, as Anna was saying in, in, in college, um, uh, we, we both uh, were involved with our um with uh, InterVarsity uh, at that time period uh, through church, uh, th- uh, th- through the colleges. And, and that provided a, a great means for us uh, to grow during a time of testing. Uh, uh, colleges where you often make uh, the things of that you grew up, you're going to make a decision as to what you're going to follow yeah. after. Yeah. And uh, for us, uh, we, we were seeking God. And, and it led us uh, curiously to a, a, a a big conference in Urbana that gets held every three years, uh, the Urbana Missions Conference, which placed on both of our hearts desires to go out. Now, we didn't meet at that conference, as far as we know. There was over 20,000 uh, oh students there between Christmas and New Year's. Uh, we might have passed each other, but no, uh, <laughs> as far as we know, we never met each other. Uh, but we both found out about uh, some uh, an incredible missions trip that uh, goes on during the summer through Youth with a Mission, a mm-hmm. uh, medical internship uh, uh, to the Philippines. And we n- neither of us did it that year. Uh, we did it the following year. And uh, that is where we actually met each other was... was uh, in the Philippines, on a garbage dump, men, uh, uh, passing out medicines and uh, to people that were homeless living on that area, of, uh, and uh, so that uh, it's I, I guess that's how a person from the U.S. and Canada meet is is halfway across the world, and yeah. and we had a long distance relationship for three and a half years. Oh wow! Okay, yeah, yeah. that's very cool. Um, I guess as far as that was your first. Um, I guess like trip outside for like medical missions and whatnot as well then correct on the philippines it was okay what was that like for you guys because you were still fairly young at that point um like just college right you were still in yes. college kind of like figuring out like what you want to do for, with the rest of your life and how you wanted to kind of go moving forward um yeah. was that kind of like a time when god really confirmed that you were supposed to be doing stuff outside of the states in canada or what was that like for you guys personally as far as going somewhere because i've heard stories about the trash dumps. I've never actually been there myself, but I've heard about how difficult they are and how how painful it is for the people that are living there. So what was that like for you yeah. guys? Well, for me, I was um, studying um, phys ed, exercise physiology and, and health sciences. And um, I, I loved sports. I skied for the university ski team. <laughs> and um, I loved running and, and I, I wanted to be a, a phys ed and biology teacher. And, uh, but when I, that trip to the Philippines totally changed my perspective and, um, I hadn't known poverty or seen poverty to Mm -hmm. the extent that we were exposed to over there and how sports was kind of a minor thing compared to just surviving. And, um, even though the garbage dump did have like just a basketball hoop with no net, but, but anyways, kids will try to find things to play with. But, um, but God just really give me a, gave me a heart for the poor and, and um, healthcare in particular. And so it pretty much changed a lot. Like I was going back to my senior year and I started taking a lot more health science courses because I was thinking of maybe going to med school at that point. Yeah. And, and, and that was actually on that trip that I felt like God was saying, I want you to do medical missions long-term. Mm-hmm. So. Now, David, you actually, um, just as a little bit of background, have served um, in the military and, and you're um, very, very smart as far as it goes in the medical field because you've actually worked as a doctor for a long time. So was that kind of a similar thing for you when you went to the trash dumps in the Philippines is, you know, I feel like this is definitely my calling from God or what was that like for you? So it, it definitely confirmed uh, it in my heart and in my mind the desire to go into healthcare. Um, at, at that point, I was wondering about going into either like engineering, biomedical engineering, or or healthcare, and it it was a clear solidification mm-hmm. for that pathway. Mm-hmm. How to get there was another question, 
Um, and, and lots of questions just continue to ask, but uh, the path started leading uh, for going into med school, which did immediately after uh, college um, and, uh, and then into family practice and, and, and into the military. And it was incremental. I mean, um, I think looking back at it, uh, some of the things were not paths that I was expecting mm-hmm. uh, in no way or form. Uh, when when I started off uh, med school, I was actually on a, a scholarship that would have uh, enabled me to finish up medical school in four years and mm-hmm. immediately go out into the mission field afterwards. Mm-hmm. But that program collapsed in the first uh, uh in the first year. Uh, and then I was looking at perhaps acquiring a lot of debt. And I remember distinctly wondering, God, do I even carry it, continue on, or do I step away from medicine? What is the answer? Mm-hmm. Um, and I wish I could say to the audience and to other people that I, I heard a distinct voice. Uh, uh, I did, and I just knew that uh, it was something to uh, carry on. And, mm-hmm. and I do remember, though, one of the things that uh, came back to me was was uh, one, from the Urbana Missions Conference, uh, the, the the story of the young rich ruler who, uh, when Christ told him that he was doing everything right, but then he needed one more thing to do, which was to to go and sell everything to follow him. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that came back to me at that time period because because when Christ told the young rich ruler that that challenge, I'll say it was a challenge. It was a command. It was a directive. There was actually two things because it was not only to give away everything, but he was given up his position mm-hmm. and to make more income, to, to walk away from something. Mm-hmm. And I have always wanted to make sure that I lived in my life in a way that I would not hold on to the things in this life in a way that I wouldn't be willing to, to walk away. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you come back to that. Um, God brings you back. Um, what, uh, what ended up happening is uh, I, I had a, a military scholarship for the last two years, and that opened up the a pathway into, into the Army and to, to serve in uh, over 28 years, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, now retired and being or. I'll say rehired uh, uh, for for the Lord, and it, it, it's a true joy. I mean, um, uh, when we finished up and uh, uh, for our retirement uh, uh, trip, we uh, I was able to come over here to, uh, uh, to the Middle East with uh, with with Anne, and we were able to uh, uh, that that was our re- retirement trip. Not too many people go <laughs> go into Iraq or something for a retirement trip, yep. and it happened yep. to coincide with their thirtieth anniversary. So, uh, two big things. That's amazing. Yeah, and um, I think it's super cool how it kind of like all came full circle as far as that. That's how it started, and now um, you're stepping into some pretty some pretty awesome stuff. Because um, having been here having been here and worked with you guys a little bit and lived alongside of you guys, I definitely know that there's definitely a heart for people and, and for the region in general. And that kind of leads us into uh, part two here where um, the name of the name of the podcast is God stories. So that's one of my favorite parts to get into is just some uh, instances where you've had um, encounters with God and encounters with people where you get to see God just come into a situation and really, really affect someone's life and really change someone's life. I know I've heard a bunch of them over the last few days from both of you. And that's kind of one thing that I wanted to get uh, your perspective on uh, moving forward. So why don't you guys just give me a couple of your favorite um, God stories or just like some, some incredible things that you've run into throughout the years and your adventure with God. Well, I can, I can share one story from the Philippines uh, <laughs> way back when, um, um, besides working on the garbage dump in Manila, we went to um, some of the remote islands off the coast of Mindanao, and uh, the people had never seen white people before. And um, we were doing some medical clinics, and, but we had a day off. And on that day off, I decided to go out into the ocean. It was absolutely mm-hmm. beautiful. And I was just floating out there. And I was floating for quite a while. And and then I hear my name, and I look up. And I hadn't realized the tide was going out. Oh, no. And I was about three quarters of a mile from shore at that point. And, um, and, 
and it was a pretty strong tide and I realized I'm going to have to swim at an angle, probably two miles to get to shore. <laughs> but when I looked up, um, the doctor who was leading our team saw this like something bob up out of the water and um you know he saw it was a head and um so he sent a couple of men out in a boat to go and see what that was and um and it was interesting because there's no way anybody could have called my name mm -hmm. you know but maybe an angel or something <laughs> and and just the fact that i looked up caught that doctor's eye yeah. to go out and uh get that person and yeah. um so so I was swimming on my angle and these two men come out in a boat and in that in that particular island if men rescue an unmarried woman they get to marry her or somebody you know <laughs> and, and so it's like I was not in a position to get married and, <laughs> and, uh, and so um I um, I didn't want to get in the boat, <laughs> you know. I wanted to keep swimming, right. but but the guy who extended his hand to me he goes, "It's okay. My name is Jesus." <laughs> and, I, and I thought, That's funny. Oh, I, I thought, oh, it's it's safe to get in the boat with yeah. Jesus. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. so and to get getting in the boat, and and they ended up, you know, rowing me. And then when we were about a quarter mile from shore, I thanked him and got out of the boat and, <laughs> and went the rest of the way on my own. But, uh, <laughs> so you didn't have to get married to Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, but, I know that's interesting because it sounds like you've had a couple different experiences. And one that really stuck out to me that I thought our listeners might enjoy too is just, um, I think you both have had some crazy stories of God protecting you supernaturally um, just because of some of the dangerous places and dangerous things you guys have done. And um, and I know you had um, a story in Louisiana of, um, I believe it was a guy that was trying to that was trying to hurt you or something, and then there was an encounter that you had with an angelic thing there. Do you mind sharing that with us? Um, is that the one when I was walking down the street? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, <laughs> I I was walking down the street, yeah, with a friend, and um, there was this um, very tall man on the street and um probably six seven very heavily built and well built and um, he had a black t-shirt on it and said mr evil and as, as people were approaching him on the street in um, new orleans um this is canal street he was jostling people trying to pick fights with mm -hmm. people and um we were coming up on him and he started pushing my friend joe and he, you know trying to pick a fight and and I said, you need Jesus Christ because he's more powerful than Satan. <laughs> and he looks at me and I said it again. I said, you need Jesus Christ. He's more powerful than Satan. And he took his hands off Joe. And and then I said it again. You need Jesus Christ. He's more powerful than Satan. He just started running away from us down the street. And mm -hmm. and I'm only 5'2". And this guy was 6'7". And, and it just shows you how the name of Jesus is so powerful and that our struggle is not against flesh and blood mm -hmm. but the spiritual forces of evil and the heavenly realms and mm -hmm. yeah so really no no spirit or no person is a match for the mm -hmm. name of christ yeah that's such an awesome story i um i think that that one's definitely a uh, a cool example of you know god's protection and whatnot too even in a place like louisiana you know and and mr evil that's kind of a funny you know <laughs> in a bad kind of way you know a situation where the name of jesus is stronger than any name you know no matter what it is and god is able to protect us no matter what situation we find ourselves in so um david on your end why don't you share with the audience a little bit um a couple couple of your favorite god stories yeah well um one that just comes to mind actually goes back just to my transition to, to college. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, to, to understand this, there was, uh, um, God has a way of sometimes preparing us uh, for major events. And, and the summer before I had been up at a Christian boys camp as a counselor. And uh, during that time period, uh, one of the principles that God had been really impressing me onto my heart, into my life was the principle from Romans 8.28. That he works all things to uh, to what his kingdom good, no matter what it is, um, and and I remember, uh, I mean, there there had been uh, numerous uh, occasions during the summer getting lost uh, yeah, on a 
on a hiking trip, uh, being uh, at 4,000 feet elevation in upstate New York and, and not knowing what, what was going on and, and finding our way out and God uh, providing a, a trail for us to get back before we ran out of daylight and we, none of us had flashlights there too. So that was just one example. But um, it got re reinforced time and time again. And uh, when I started uh, college, and I had been a Christian now for a good five, six years, uh, grateful for, again, the biblical basis that I had had uh, through the Christian Boys Camp, through 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 a, a, a change in our church, uh, we'd been attending Assemblies of God, and 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 really had some powerful experiences there. But but when I went off to college, I remember uh, really and uh, trying to reestablish myself, um, and and part of my uh, identity, interestingly, had been built around soccer. Mm -hmm. uh, I had been an all county. Uh, a soccer player and had played it three quarters of the year. Uh, so it was a unique part of it. Um, I didn't realize how much it was until uh, when, when I showed up to the, uh, to, to college and this was at an Ivy league school, uh, what was supposed to be a freshman team, the coach uh, announced to us and said, well, there's no freshman team this year and tryouts are tomorrow. And when I showed up to the tryouts, I actually ended up getting cut from the team. And it was the most ripping, painful experience that I had ever had to that life. Looking back at it, I can tell people from a medical point, <laughs> I was in a dissociative state, state for the next two and a half days. That's where you walk around in complete days. Um, uh, people might have this for any reasons for myself. Uh, basically, the soccer had become so much part of who I my identity and who I was, but God had a very unique way of, of sometimes when something gets too big in our life of bringing a, a wrecking ball and breaking down our walls. And it's for good purposes. Going back uh, when this had happened and the first day when I got back to my dorm room, I remember literally getting onto my bed, uh, tears uh, coming down my, my, uh, cheeks as I was writing letters to my my coach from uh, high school, uh, just explaining the situation, things like that. But I also distinctly remember saying to God, Lord, I don't know why this has happened, but I'm going to trust. I am going to trust that you are going to work this out to your best. I don't know why, but you are my father. You have shown me that you work things out to this, and I'm just going to trust in you. So I clung to him. I clung to him in the midst of the storm of the, uh, of the trial. And I remember that distinctly. And yes, I walked around in a daze wondering what was going to happen. But little did I know that had I pursued that path, I would not have had time to have, have vested myself in, uh, in the Christian fellowship in, in the way and, and which was integral to quite honestly surviving in an Ivy League college. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that was su such an important part of it. And, and so I am grateful that God did heart surgery of a form of, of, of a wrecking ball. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it was a powerful thing mm -hmm. to my own life. I know, uh, and, and hopefully, um, uh, we, we sometimes all experience some, some, some loss too, but you can cling to God there during those times. Well, I think it's cool. Cause that reminds me of the whole Abraham and Isaac thing, you know, like when anything becomes more important than God or God's plan or something, there's, you know, times when God asks us to make hard decisions or, you know, bring something into our life is like, what is, what's more important to you, you know? Yeah. And I think that's, that's very interesting because, you know, like every single one of us goes through, goes through sacrifice where we have to, we have to lay things down or, you know, the call of God or whatever that is, it requires something from us. So I think that's really, that's really interesting because whether, whether we or the listeners have experienced that, I know that's something that definitely happens throughout life is there's things that are required to be pruned away in the call of God. And if we want God's best and if we want the you know, God's best for our lives. And there's some things we have to give up, but I know it's totally worth it. And like you it said is. too, that opened up the door for you to be in a Christian fellowship, which really positively impacted your life, which is, which is amazing. So, um, do you guys have any other cool, like God stories or like times that God intervened? Maybe, um, I know you guys have done extensive traveling. So 
whatever you're able to share on that kind of thing too, or maybe just some cool, interesting people that you met or some interesting stories. Um, there's, I, I guess there's one story I can share. Mm -hmm. um, apart from doing work in the Middle East, I've, I've done work with um, people from the Middle East in the United States. Mm -hmm. And um, um, I, I had one in, counter with um, one of the young men um, who was from Morocco and um, um, I was kind of discipling him a little bit and he um, kept telling me all these things the Holy Spirit was saying to him yeah. and, and and I said you know I don't want to mention the name but I said you know these these things don't sound like the Holy Spirit you yeah. know um, these these things that you're you're sharing you know, it's a spirit, but we need to test the spirits because not all spirits are from God. Mm -hmm. And and so um, I agreed to meet with him in a hotel lobby in Renton in B.C. Mm -hmm. and uh, talk about, you know, the spirit I, and uh, and what, what these spirits were saying. And so we met and um, I said... I said, you know, I, I think we need to pray because this does not sound like the Holy Spirit to me. And mm -hmm. as we were praying, all of a sudden his voice changed and oh my. <laughs> I realized he started rolling on the floor oh and I realized I was speaking with a demon yeah. and not him anymore. <laughs> oh my. And, um, and fortunately the there's one guy way across the lobby. We were kind of in a secluded area, but, um, but, uh, it, it turned out that, um, he had, um, and, and this was all from the demon. <laughs> it turned out he had sought a demon to find out why his mother died and where she was. Oh, wow. Okay. And, uh, and when he was a young child mm -hmm. and, um, and he, he had sought, a, um, a demon and he had he had be, he had accepted christ to this guy and he was actually on fire for christ but he he consulted with other forces to find out who he was going to marry and oh <laughs> different things and so i was trying to cast this guy and this demon out and uh it was not working and um and the the demon said i hate you um and I would kill you if it wasn't for that huge angel standing behind you. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, thank you, God, for your angels. And, um, and, and, but I couldn't get him out. And, and that's how I found out why. I mean, he says, he asked me, he asked me to, for all this advice. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so it was very interesting because, um, I ended up taking him home and, with this demon and um as we were because he was starting to get attention and he he got up and he went over to this this guy sitting on a couch and he said he says if you don't know jesus christ you're gonna go to hell and this was the demon telling <laughs> oh my word <laughs> telling this guy who got pretty upset and called security yeah. and security came <laughs> and uh they were they were like, "Do you know him?" And I said, "I don't know him like this." <laughs> and, uh, and so they ended up kicking us out of the hotel. Oh my goodness. But but we, but we went home and um, and I, I later consulted with a friend who works with um, demon possession, and he gave me some advice um, on how to um, work with this young man mm -hmm. and um he 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 had to basically yeah. renounce yeah. his sin and you know um and renounce the hold that this demon had on him and, and he did get free mm -hmm. but it was just a an interesting encounter that i had and, and just the realization that we do have power and authority in christ and and that his angels are watching over us mm -hmm. and protecting us. So we don't need to be afraid of any yeah. spirit, you know. And this this particular demon mm -hmm. said he was in a very high position. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's crazy stories. I know anytime you get into, into that kind of stuff. I've had some run-ins before um, in the U.S., in the Philippines, a couple different places with um, with situations like that. And, you know, you just have to 
you know, be confident in who you are and who you are in Christ and know that greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world, as First exactly. John says. Um, and I think it's just, it's super cool to hear about the boldness that you have in, in handling those kinds of things too. Hmm. Um, speaking of boldness, I kind of wanted to pick your brain a little bit about um, a discussion that we had um, just the other night. We talked a lot about loving our enemies and the difficulty sometimes of when you're trying to help someone who hates you or someone that's in deep need, um, but for whatever reason, they don't like you. They hate you because you're American, because you're a Christian, because you're whatever. And you guys had an interesting experience um, with the Free Burma Rangers, actually. So I was hoping you guys could share a little bit of your story about that, kind of some of the things you saw, felt and experienced. And um, from from David's perspective and Anne's perspective, they had um, a little bit of a different look um, as far as that goes. And I'll let, I'll let David and Anne explain why uh, they had a couple different uh, experiences with this too, just with like some military clearance and that kind of thing too. But um, I guess, Anne, we'll start with you a little bit. What was it? Because um, the Free Burma Rangers... For those of you that don't know, um, first of all, go watch the movie because the movie um, I've heard is absolutely amazing. I'm gonna mm -hmm. I'm gonna end up watching it uh, here soon. I got to meet a couple of the people that are involved in that and was absolutely blown away by some of the stories uh, that they told because they have a huge heart for people and really taking care of taking care of those that other people might not want to take care of just because of who they are and how they act. So, and what was that like for you? Um, why don't you just like run me through the experience real quick? Okay. Um, well, I had the opportunity to go with uh, FBR to Bagu, Syria, which was the last stronghold of ISIS in uh, February um, 2019. And um, we, we were there um, treating uh, medically and, and feeding and giving blankets to everybody who was fleeing that stronghold as, as um, the Kurdish and the American forces were taking out that last stronghold. Mm -hmm. And um, so we were about a kilometer from the front line and, and we had um, set up 50 tents and uh, for the people fleeing and treating the people who were coming out of and it, it ended up that it was all ISIS that was coming out of that um, city. Uh, we had thought maybe there'd be some Yazidi sex slaves that were taken, but they were used as human shields. There were very wow. few. Um, Wow. People who weren't ISIS wives and their families, and they had huge families, uh, mm -hmm. lots of kids, and um, and also the ISIS fighters eventually were coming out as well. And so we were treating everything, mostly gunshot wounds, mortar wounds, just trying to stabilize people and get them to the hospitals, mm -hmm. and, um, and lots of limbs that were lost and kids shot. And um, anyways, so... That, that came later once the stronghold was taken over, but um, we, we did get some bad things before, but most of it came afterwards. Mm -hmm. But we had people fleeing the city um, as, as it, the city was being taken over. And as they were coming out, um, you know, they were cursing us when we were, we were trying to provide medical care to them. Mm -hmm. and, and they were actually cursing us. We were feeding them. And... Um, and it, it was a little difficult, you know, because we were sleeping in a berm on the ground and it was so, so cold. <laughs> and um, and we had no tap. We had no shower. We had no toilet. And um, and then to have people curse you when you would, you know, sacrifice to give up to try to help them yeah. um, was was difficult. Um, and there was this one time we had. Uh, I was going around, it was, it was a lag time, and cleaning up all the excrement that was left outside the tents that we had set up because it was so cold, people didn't want to walk the 20 yards to the latrines that had been dug. And um, so there was like poop everywhere, all outside the tents, human waste, diapers. Even some of the men had diapers because they had lost limbs and they were using diapers the diapers that we had brought for the kids. Um, mm -hmm. But so everything was a mess and we had people coming in and out. The ISIS um, families were being 
um, put into these big trucks and hauled off to a holding camp. Mm -hmm. And uh, so different waves were coming in and um, it was hard for the next wave to, to walk anywhere without stepping in human excrement. And so, so uh, I decided to start shoveling it and putting it in the latrines. And, and as I was doing that, I was like, Lord, this is not, this isn't on my bucket list. <laughs> and, uh, um, because no one is appreciating what I'm doing here, you know, having a master's in public health, eating no transmission of disease and stuff. But, <laughs> but um, so as I was, as I was just musing over that, the Lord just started downloading stuff to me. And, um, you know, he says, he said, you know, I was, I was rich and, and I left everything in heaven to take on flesh and to be born in a cave and to be laid in a feeding trough. Um, and I fed the world on my flesh and blood, you know, and, um, and, and he, he just started sharing with me all the sacrifices that he made for us. Mm -hmm. um, and and I, I started realizing, wow, no sacrifice I make, it can even come close to what Jesus did in, in leaving his deity to take on flesh. And, oh, and yeah. he was born in the lowest of state, you yeah. know, so he could identify with the lowest of humans. Wow. And, um, and so, so he was just telling me that. And then he, and then, uh, um, he, he said, you know, Isaiah 53 started running through my head where he says, I was despised and I was rejected of men and I was considered smitten by God. And, and I know ISIS was considering us Christians smitten by God, you know, and worthy of being killed by them. And, um, and so they were cursing us, you know, and, and Jesus was also cursed and, um, and, and so he was just showing me, you know, you know, nothing you're going through. I haven't been through, you wow. know, and, um, and so, and then, um, you know, he says, I was, I was despised. I was rejected of men, um, you know, even though I was bearing their sorrows and their transgressions and I was, I was, I came to heal, you know, I, I carried their diseases and, um, and, so, so God was just showing me, you know, a, a love of a greater love. And he said, you know, if you just love those who love you, what good are you? You're not better than the tax collectors, you know, but you need to be perfect. Like your father in heaven is perfect. He sends the sun to shine on, on the righteous and the unrighteous. And yeah. so he was just showing me that I needed, um, to have his perspective on ISIS and, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. you know, to love those who hate you and pray for those who persecute you. And if your enemy is hungry, he says, give them something to eat. If your enemy is thirsty, give them a drink. And that's what exactly what we were doing. We were passing out flatbread and water to our enemy. And, yeah. and so, so it was, it was a neat, neat experience because it, it really opened up to me where, you know, God's heart for people. Yeah. I think that's so incredible to hear just some of the testimonies and even you know, hearing stories from, people that were there even seeing photographs. I mean, it's just, it's incredible how much destruction, how much destruction the enemy can cause um, through people that are deceived and people that have no hope. And, and it's incredible when we as the church rise up to combat that with the love of God, because really that's what brings people to repentance is the goodness of God and, mm -hmm. and the tangible love of people. I know I was talking to David this morning about that a little bit too, about how, your love for your love for God is seen in your in your love for people. I think that's the words that he used to describe it. Um, we were reading through First John a little bit, and I think that's what he said: is your love for for God is measurable, and your love for people. And I think that's so true because uh, the scriptures say, if you love, if you say you love God who you can't see, but don't love your brother who you can see, how can that be true? And I think that's something that you've that you've lived out literally, and and it's an amazing testimony. And and David, on your end, um, you've helped a lot of people. Um, with the medical knowledge and the gift that God has given you as well. Um, on your end, um, as as a husband, and, you know, what was it like for you exactly in that whole scenario? Because I know yeah. it'd be tough for me to let my wife do something like that, because that's there's a lot of danger associated with that. Yeah. And, 
And yeah, I, I know you had you were wanting to go too, but you had a little bit of trouble from yeah. a natural standpoint. Yeah. So so at that time, I was still in the military, yeah. and the, the the military requires you when you travel to other foreign countries to get clearance beforehand mm-hmm. uh, on leave. So even though I wanted to go along with Anne on these trips. Um, Iraq and Syria both were in basically areas of don't even bother applying to go there on leave. Okay. Yes, I could go on there on official orders when on a deployment, but not with mm-hmm. with family yeah. or any uh, purpose like that. Uh, to give a perspective, uh, uh, we were there to Kenya, but it took me six months of, of paperwork wow. to just get wow. that. So, uh, and uh, Iraq would it was impossible so mm-hmm. uh this was about Anne's fifth trip up there mm-hmm. uh first had been in two, 2015 so in some ways i wasn't a rookie to this mm-hmm. but what was different on this trip was when she went into syria and this was her first trip into syria um she lost uh, her cell phone her phone basically went dark the entire time period and and i knew that was most likely going to happen. Mm-hmm. But for the uh, three, four weeks that she was in there, I had nothing at all awareness of what was going on. Just that I knew that FBR would be going to where things were hottest and and, and most needed, which appeared when I was looking at things would have brought them to, to the Bagus area because mm-hmm. that's where there was a lot of fighting. Yeah. But I had really, literally no awareness of what was going on, um, uh, and and it puts you in a very vulnerable area mm-hmm. uh, 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 where you're literally uh, praying for the person, wanting them to be there with, uh, by them, but you can't be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was ironic uh, when you join the military; you realize that you you might be deployed and and your wife and family stays home but this was flipped Um, i was home and my wife was away so the roles had been reversed Um, but with that said i i still do remember really distinctly uh during this trip or one of the previous ones when when she was away and uh, and just every time you come up uh, there are uh, risk Um, but i remember uh during listening to some music and hill songs uh oceans was playing mm. and, and quite honestly i probably hit the the replay on that probably three four or five times because it was just talking about how uh, uh walking on the deep waters not just water but deep water um and and uh just keeping your your focus on christ mm-hmm. and you know, God does call us to walk on water, and it can be deep at times. Um, but with our focus on Him, it is possible, mm-hmm. one step at a time. You focus on the waves, mm-hmm. then like Peter, you will sink. But with your focus on Christ, mm-hmm. it is possible. Yeah. And and that's been, uh, you know, I, I guess looking back at my very initial uh, faith conversion of just saying, hey, Chris, I really want to just follow you wherever it is. Yeah. Um, this is still the same thing. Uh, maybe I didn't picture myself being on deep water or anything like that, but the same principle does mm-hmm. uh, apply. We have a wonderful Savior, uh, a Lord, who has who's died, who has suffered for us, who who has given up so much for all of us. Um, and he is there to empower us um, and and ask us to be his arms, his, his hands, his mouth, to share the good news. And it is good news because so many people here are in darkness. Yeah, I think that that's such an incredible testimony to have too, is your willingness to trust God, even, you know, on deep waters, that's that's not an easy thing to do. I think it's so easy in both of these scenarios to talk about what well, we have to love our enemy and we have to trust God. And no matter where God calls us or whatever, then 
I think it's a different when you actually step out of the boat, like the two of you have, and not just in this, but there's so many other stories and scenarios that you guys could talk about. I, there's just too many to even go through, but you guys have actually lived what you talk about, which I think is super, super amazing and really inspiring and, and an honorable thing because you've lived out loving, loving your enemy and, and trusting God with the things that are most precious to you, which is your family and your relationships and, and trusting him even, even when things are crazy. And even when, you know, common sense would say, well, it's not safe. Like you shouldn't be going there. You shouldn't be doing that. But I think like, like David just said a second ago, that's the people that need it most is, is the people that are in darkness because that's what God called us to do was to love our enemies. Um, and like Anne said a second ago, that's, I think that the heart attitude that she displays, it's not just there, but I've seen that um, even even here when they're ministering to people and taking in um, young men, young women under their, under their wing and, and teaching them and training them and pouring out their life to them and being generous with them. You guys, I think you guys really live out the love of Christ, which is an amazing testimony because you guys have been doing that for a long time and, and seen it in a way that I don't think many people have, which I think is absolutely incredible, which kind of leads us on to um, one, um, one final part here. I wanted to get some, some advice uh, because with the stories and, and the testimonies that you guys have, I guess for some people that um, my listeners that are, that are younger in ministry or just wanting to get into um, following God radically, because you guys have been to a lot of different nations in the Middle East. You guys have, had some dangerous encounters and had the love of God really just shine through and really affect people's lives. What would you say um, if you could give advice, like the biggest piece of advice to, to someone sitting across the table from you that says, I want to follow God and I want to, I want to have the testimony that you guys have. What would you say that that would be? For me, um, Jesus said, you know, make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. And um, so to me, that means what, what has kept me in my walk all these years is morning by morning, like um, Isaiah 50 says, um, you know, um, come to him as a, as a disciple morning by morning in the word, and he will give you the tongue of disciples so that you can sustain a weir the weary with the word. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. ever since I was in university, um, every morning mm -hmm. I would read a chapter of the old Testament, a chapter of the new. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I would work through the Bible simultaneously three times through the new for one time through the old every morning studying a chapter and just being in the word day after day has kept me on the right path. Mm -hmm. And um, it keeps you from sin. I've hidden your word in my heart so I won't sin against you. And sometimes the word is like dessert. And sometimes it's like medicine, and uh, but you got to take your medicine yeah. to stay yeah. healthy. That's true, and, and it keeps you where you need to be. And uh -huh. and then you just pray for obedience to the word, you know, not just be hearers but doers. Uh -huh. And so that's what's kept me in life. It, it's all God's word and God's spirit, and you know the Bible says. God works in you to will and to act according yeah, to his true. purpose. And it's really him in us, you know, we're just trying to stay out of the way of our own flesh <laughs> and just let, allow his spirit mm -hmm. to, to do it, you know? Yeah. And, uh, the only thing I, I'll perhaps add is, 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 um, one of the, uh, things that, you know, my, my, my personality is, is, is I like to do a lot of planning, organizing, and things along those lines. Um, and time and time again, though, uh, it, it's been very interesting. We we haven't gone into the stories, but but one of the repetitive type things is is uh, you know I've seen where I've had an A plan and a B plan and a C <laughs> plan, and they all get blown out of the water, and then you're just there wondering what to do. And that's the sweetness of it because then you're looking around and quite honestly, God's got my attention and you realize it's the G plan that really matters, the God plan. Yeah. Um, and I put that because, because, because uh, I mean, there's so many scriptures about leaning not on your own understanding, but to acknowledge, to really love God with all your heart and he will direct your paths. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and each and every day, um, uh, I mean, we've had some of our trips where uh, here where we were intent on going uh, into Syria and the door didn't open up and, and then you're wondering what to do. Well, God still had uh, appointments for us each and every day and you're just wondering what to do. As Anne was saying, uh, you spend your time in, in God's word. You can look in the morning for direction, but then you're also just listening and saying, God, what do you want me to do today? I'm going to try to learn from the past. I'm going to plan for the future, but I can only live, live in today. Yeah. So get, fill me with your spirit. Give me your words. Help me to see who you want me to reach out to today uh, that needs to hear your gospel, your saving message, yeah. who you want to disciple. It is to just bring along in your word and your precious ways. Um, and, and and when you look at it from that way, you're never going to uh, run out of things. There is, again, no such thing as retirement in God's <laughs> kingdom. It is always rehirement. Yeah, that's so incredible. I think that I just love listening. I could go hours listening, and I have, honestly, this last <laughs> this last week just had super long discussions, I know, with, with David, like with our Bibles open, talking about the Word of God learning and writing pages of notes in my Bible and pages of notes in my notebook, just learning because if there's one thing that I've learned about David and, and Anne, that's just that they have a, such a deep love for the word of God and, and such a deep love for the presence of God. And I think that's, it's, it's exciting to meet people like that because um, you can learn so much. So I think that that's definitely been something I've, I've seen is there's no slowing down. There's no, there's no turning back. It's full steam ahead. Um, so with that in mind, I was hoping to get you guys, actually, if you don't mind, each of you to uh, pray for our listeners and uh, whatever it is that God puts on your heart. Uh, if there's anything specific, go ahead and do that. But I figured that's a great way to finish off the podcast. If you would just honor us with that, that'd be amazing. Lord, I just want to pray for those that have been listening here that each person would receive something from you. Lord, we're supposed to encourage each other on towards love and towards good deeds as the, the day approaches for your return. So Lord, I pray that we would be encouraged on towards love, towards good deeds. It's not the words that we say that matters, it's what you speak. So even now, Lord, I pray for the listeners that, that you would speak your deep words of wisdom to each person, that they would walk away with one pearl, two pearls, and, and put it into practice. And if there's something that they need to loop back to in the days or months ahead, Lord, then just bring it to memory at that time period. But in all things, God, I pray that you would just continue to pour yourself in them that as they work their salvation out with fear and trembling, that they will realize that it is you that is working inside of them to work this out. That you have called them to be your ambassadors. Your, that we are sojourners and aliens on this world, but we have special purposes because we are your king, kids. We are uh, priests and we have a special role each and every day. So may you just continue to pour yourself into each one of them and use them mightily for your kingdom's purpose. And Father, um, we are your workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works that you have prepared in advance for us to walk in. And so I pray for each person listening, Lord, that, um, that your spirit would just uh, be giving them a vision, Lord, of of uh, the works, the good works you want to do in and through them, Lord Jesus. Um, mm -hmm. Each one of us, um, you've laid hold of each one of us, Lord, and we want you to fulfill the purpose yes, for which you've laid hold of us in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so, Lord, I pray um, um, just for an inkling, a vision of the next step. If people are looking for the next step, Lord, mm -hmm. that you have for them. Lord, I pray that you would reveal that to to them, Father. Um, Lord, without vision, people cast off restraint. And um, so, Lord, 
give them a vision, Lord, and I pray morning by morning as they come to you, Lord, that you would speak to them through yes. your word and through mm -hmm. your Holy Spirit, Lord. Guide and direct their paths um, according to your will, Father, and um, just be glorified. Christ in us is the hope of glory, Lord, mm -hmm. and, and Lord, you promised to sanctify us in soul, body, mind, and spirit. Lord, you are faithful, and you will do it, and so I just pray that you would sanctify each person listening and set them apart for your works of service, and um, just be glorified through them. We just pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, on behalf of myself and all of the listeners, I um, wanted to say thank you guys so much for your time. And um, yeah, just again, wanted to honor the life of dedication and commitment to the call of God that you guys have had. Um, that's the reason that we do that we do these things and that I try to capture moments like this uh, when I come across when I come across people, because there's there's things that need to be shared. There's stories that need to be shared. And I know that David and Anne have stories that need to be shared and need to be heard by people because they will help encourage them and and give them vision for the future. And um, I know we've all been in you know similar situations before, and it's helpful to learn from those that have successfully navigated the deep waters, like David was talking about when you're when you're in over your head, and it's just you and Jesus out in the waters. How do you handle that? And and with Anne too, when you're in the midst of the battle, literally in her case. How do you how do you love those around you? And um, like once again, I want to say thank you guys so much for not just this, but for everything you guys have been over the past week uh, to myself. You guys have been a great blessing to me, and I believe to all of our listeners as well. So once again, this is God Stories. Hope you all had a, a great time listening to it, and just as much as fun as I had recording it with them as well too. So if there's anything else you guys would like to say, go ahead. Otherwise, I think we're all finished. Oh, well, it's actually encouraging to us that you were so young. And uh, yeah, we're just going to be passing the baton. <laughs> well, it's incredible to have other people that go before and set, set such a high standard and high example too. So again, thank you. Thank you both so much. And thank you so much for listening today. Be blessed.